And the moment we wander from His paths, that's the time that we inflict damage to our lives and find ourselves in a dreadful situation. Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 8. And I'm and for sure, um, all of you knows uh, what we, the title of the sermon this evening, Pharaoh's Pet Frogs. And we will know um, what does it mean of that title. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 1 down to verse 15. A little bit um, lengthy passage here, but uh, please bear with me as we read the passage and the context of, of the scenario here. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. The river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and uh, upon thy bed and into the, the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand uh, with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the rivers only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them, 
as the Lord had said. How many of you this evening, and of course those of you who are watching online, uh, know that uh, March 20 is a World Frog Day? Yes, there is a celebration like that, apparently, and I just uh, discovered it. World, World Frog Day uh, has been a celebration since the year of 20, uh, uh, 2009. 2009, so it's been quite a while now. And there is no explicit mention of the person or an organization who has come up with this celebration. They, they don't know basically who's the person and who's the uh, people group. Um, but the day was created to save uh, the different varieties of frogs from becoming ex- uh, uh, extinct. Uh, inst- what's that? Extinct, yes, that's the word, <laughs> extinct. So, but the, you know, but the, I kind of think of it, but the idea of the World Frog Day was not an, a new one. It's not new, in, even uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bible. In the ancient Egypt, people were very fond of, of frogs. Actually, frogs formed a vital part of the nation's religion. They were sacred. The Egyptian goddess Hecht, H, capital H-E-Q-T, was depicted as having a frog's head and the human body. And Egyptians worshipped Hecht as the goddess of resurrection, and she was also believed to aid women in childbirth. And that's what they believe, what they believe. And many Bible scholars would say that the ten plagues in the nation uh, of Egypt were, were a direct blow to the gods of Egypt. And God made, us sh- uh, God made sure that his people, Israelites, the Israel, and the people in Egypt during that time knew and acknowledged that there is there was none like him. He is the only true God. Of course, the story of the ten plagues was one of the significant events in the Old Testament and, and also a manifestation. It's just, if you, as what I've said, if you go beyond the stories of the Old Testament, you can really see the manifestation of God's power and God's sovereignty, God's power and God's sovereignty over his creation, including men. And Pharaoh was also considered one of the gods um, of the nation Egypt, but was, but was made to look like a false god in the eyes of men because God showed him that there is none like Jehovah God. So tonight, let's take a look at the scenario of the second plague because Pharaoh's pet frogs were an indication of a more significant problem in in the story. Before we continue, let us all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your moving in our hearts. And I do pray that you would speak into our hearts to all that 
uh, in this building, and all, all those who are watching online, that we, you would speak into our hearts and help us, dear Father, to live for you. When you we do ask for your blessing upon this evening, and we commit to you all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the time or the gap of of uh, or the time or the gap in between the first and second plague uh, plagues is hard to say how soon Moses returned uh, to Pharaoh after the plague of blood was hard to say also but the text reads as it, it, it if it was almost immediate but I guess it appears that God God wasn't wasting any time in confronting the gods, of, the, the gods that Egypt held dear. And again, Moses was instructed to face Pharaoh. This time, he forewarns him that failure to obey the Lord would result in a plague of frogs. But a warning seems to be neglected since the worship of frogs was prominent in his land. And Pharaoh probably thought little of Moses' Moses's threat. So Pharaoh disobeyed God, as we know in the text. And we come now, and we come now to our first point. If you're taking down notes, our first point is a dreadful situation. A dreadful situation. What's that situation? A dreadful situation? There are frogs everywhere. Frogs everywhere. Wherever you go, there are, fro there are frogs. There were frogs. And uh, you can read that in verses 1 to 7. And you can see here that the Lord, the Lord said to Pharaoh through Moses that if, in verse 2, if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and in, in thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants." You know, Pharaoh's dreadful situation resulted from his refusal to let God's people go. It's basically a direct insult to the command of God. God commanded Pharaoh to let his people go that they may serve him, but he did not obey. As a result, God did, not, did what he said. And he filled the land of Egypt with frogs. Now, I wonder what went through the mind of Pharaoh when he received this warning. And uh, perhaps he thought, frogs? That's it? We love frogs here. We even worship our frogs. So who cares? Right? I'm not sure if that's what he thought. <laughs> but um, in the passage, we know that this phenomenon was nothing ordinary. It's not like just one or two or three frogs that act, appeared during that time. 
And the Bible says, this was the finger of God. Even the magicians of Pharaoh knew this, that this was the finger of God. But read, but you can see that if you read verses 3 to 6, you can see that there were frogs everywhere. You know, can you imagine if you go, if you're there, right? If you go to the kitchen, you open your cupboards, something like that. I always, that, like, because, you know, cupboards is always higher than me. Uh, I'm not sure, like, probably for you, you will do like that. But, uh, you know, I, I find it harder every time the cupboards is, like, high. I need to uh, go into the ladder and, <laughs> and reach something there. But, of course, you know, go to the uh, cupboards. Frags are looking at you and probably say, hey, babe, Right? And you sit down in your favorite chair or uh, sofa and frogs beside you. And, um, you know, probably you, you would sit uh, that frog and probably look at you and say, Ribbit. right? And you p- pull your bed she- sheets back, t- uh, back into your bed and frogs are waiting for you there. And it would say again, Ribbit. you know, can you imagine their dreadful situation like that, you know, just, just to, to really see and think of that situation, what a terrible sight to see. So you see, the Egyptians was in a dreadful situation because Pharaoh refused to obey. He refused to obey. And you know what it, it was? It was a self inflict situation it was a self inflicted situation this could have been prevented if pharaoh humbled himself before the one and true god but we know that pharaoh hardened his heart that's what the bible says and you know as i I kind of thought of this and many people are in a difficult situations because they bring it upon themselves, right? There are people like that. They experience dreadful situations because I don't know what's, what's their problem or situation, but they inflicted themselves with this dreadful situation. And Christians are in sometimes in difficult situations because they fail to obey God. They fail to walk according to the will of God. You know, for example, a backslidden Christian, he, did, he or she did not like wake up in, in the morning and then found out that he or she is backslidden, right? Because he chose or she chose to not to obey the word of God. For example, not spending time with God in prayer, that could lead you to a backslidden situation. You know, you're, and eventually you will see that your relationship with God is going in the downhill. And also, not only that, you'll find yourself now not even being part of the ministries of God. Why? Because you chose not to obey what God wants us to do in, you know, in his word. 
So it's not like a kind of you, you just uh, wake up and uh, being in a backslidden situation. You're in there because you chose to be there. It's a self-inflicted kind of dreadful situation. A Christian, and uh, you know, take note of this, a Christian does not need to wander away from the church to call himself a backslider. Because the Bible also says that there's a backslider in heart. And there are lots of Christians who go to the church and their hearts is their heart is too far from the Lord. Now just read the book of Malachi, right? God is really sickening of, of the sacrifices of God's people. You know, take away those sacrifices. I need your heart. You know, I want your heart for me. And even the book of the general epistles, you can see there that there are people inside the church that's actually... Their heart is too far from the Lord. I'm not, and, and, you know, I'm not making this up. Uh, there are studies in the U.S. that churches are in, are in the decline, not mainly because of the numbers, but theologically and spiritually speaking, churches are in the decline. And we see and observe in, and, uh, what we see in, in the Old Testament and what we, we observe in the Old Testament is actually also the lifestyle of God's people today. And that's what we can see. And, I, and I'm not saying that Canada is the same as the U.S., but because of the close ties of, of Canada and U.S., and I believe that what U.S. today, Canada will be tomorrow. And spiritually speaking, we're going into the same direction as a nation. Another example is a heart of bitterness. You did not wake up in the morning and one day you realize that you are in a bitterness in situation, right? You have felt bitter to a person or other Christian, something like that. And, uh, and it's because you refuse to forgive. And God is really, um, you nailed and explicitly warns people who are actually, you know, don't forgive his brother or sister. You will be in a life, in a dreadful situation like bitterness. Or maybe God put you into the test, through the test. But your response towards him was anger. Right, so these are just examples of all bad situations, situations that you and I experience. And I know you can think more of the bad situations where you can be involved in. It's because of their refusal to obey the Lord. Now in the Psalm 23, and I know a lot of you Memorize this psalm. It's a very popular psalm, Psalm 23, and one of the and this is one of the famous uh, psalms, uh, psalm in the Bible. There's a phrase there that says in verse three, "He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, for His name's sake." 
He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And what does it mean? It means that God's will for us Christians is to walk in obedience to him. A life that is pleasing to him. And the moment we wander from his paths, that's the time that we inflict damage to our lives and find ourselves in a dreadful situation. Now, if you, if you can um, uh, mark your Bible there and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You know, I have a secret hack here. Like, uh, every time I have turning pages, I put like kind of this. You know, one, one flip, I'm there. <laughs> Something like that. So, so that I'm always be the first. Uh, but uh, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I, I will not explain more of the context of this, but that's God. That's our loving God telling us. When you walk in the paths of God, in His paths of righteousness, it will not lead you always, it will not, or it will never lead you to evil, but it always leads you to good, to His perfect will, to life that He wants you to be in. But if we wander away, that's when we become, we became, or we're in that dreadful situation. However, if you are in a dreadful, dreadful situation already, what will you do? What will you do? And this lead, leads us to our second point. First, a dreadful situation, frogs everywhere. Second, a deferred solution, a deferred solution. Pharaoh deferred his solution and he said, Till tomorrow. He deferred it till tomorrow. Now look with me in verses 8 to 10. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people, uh, the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee? For thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why not immediately, right? If, if you kind of imagine you're in that difficult, dreadful situ situation, why keep the frogs the extra night? And that's why Pharaoh's answer intrigues me. Now, can you imagine you, 
you think that's, that's your spouse in bed. Right? And all of a sudden, hundreds of frogs are jump, jumping on your bed. When, when do you want these nasty creatures out of your life? Today, right? If you're there in that situation, we'd say today or even immediately. Immediately. But Pharaoh said, nah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You know, when I was a child, I spent good numbers of years li- living in a farmland. And I saw lots of frogs in, in our place. And I played with the frogs together with my friends. I will not go into the detail of what we did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we played with frogs. Um, but I found frogs, to, uh, they're, they're, they're fun to watch, right? They're fun to play with. But you know, frogs always have a stigma. They, they always bear a stigma of, of being uh, ugly, gross, disgusting, something that meant to be not, not meant to touch or, or handled. Now, I'm not, I'm not Pharaoh, but there are some possible reasons why he said tomorrow. And um, one of which is he hoped that frogs would go away of themselves by giving them time to leave. After all, they worshipped the frogs. So a little bit of annoyance would, uh, was okay for him. Number two, he was blind to how bad the situation was. He probably thought that they're just frogs. No big deal. Number three, he was trying to find another solution. It's just, you know, a throw. It's never mentioned in the scripture, but, you know, we can do, like, possibilities here. Now, I thought, now, um, I thought of these because of what I experienced in dealing with bad situations. Well, I don't have a lot of experience in life compared to many of you here. But I think a lot of Christians today struggle the same way. And believe me, you and I will continue to struggle in this life if we don't walk in the paths of righteousness with God. We get into bad uh, situations like sin, habitual sin, bad habits, bad relationships, and so on. We know we are in a predicament, but we just hope that it will go away by giving some time. Or we are blind to how deep a mess our life really is. Or we are trying to find another solution. We want to do it on our own. Perhaps one of the greatest sins in the 21st century in Canada or even probably the whole world is the sin of self-sufficiency. I'm not just telling that when, like money-wise. Being self-sufficient, probably yes, we can say money-wise, but also you want to do it on your own. And that's why when we are in a dreadful situation, we delay. We procrastinate. 
God is asking, when do you want this bad situation, um, this bad situation away from you? Then we say, tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow. Really? Tomorrow? If you know that you have COVID, right? I'm, I'm, and, and I know that some of you experience, experience it, COVID. Would you ask God for healing and said to him, Lord, tomorrow? Or would you ask the doctor for, for help? Doctor, tomorrow. I don't think so, right? You would expect every person, if they got COVID, they will really go right away and call help for God and call help for doctor, go go to God and ask for healing. That's what we do, right? But I don't get here when Pharaoh was in a dreadful situation. He said, tomorrow. However, when it, um, you know, when it comes to our dreadful situation in life, we always seem to turn to God as our last resort. We would try another solution here, another solution there. And all of a sudden, if all will not work, then we go to God and pray and ask for help. Now, the Bible says in in James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And we're talking about procrastination, or doing what is good. This is another um, type of the dreadful situation where, where we're at, that we can see. And how many of us here, of those who are watching probably you're watching online or probably you're here, and know that in your heart that, um, that you do something and you may have good intentions to, to do this, but you keep putting it off. You keep putting it off. I don't want you to raise your hand no, keep it to yourself because God knows it. And one of the most significant challenges we face as Christians is spiritual procrastination, and that is to putting things off. And what is interesting about this sin of procrastination is, is that it is easy to justify. It's easy to justify. Now, um, how many of you have this one day, one day moment, right? One day I will change my diet. I will go to the gym, be, you know, um, be build my strength. One day, one day I'll get serious with my relationship with God. One day I'm going to forgive the person who hurt me. One day I'm going to get back in soul winning and flying. One day, I'm going to be faithful in giving. One day, I find, I will, I'll find a ministry and start serving God. And one day, I'll correct my son and my daughter when time comes. There's so much one day. 
We put things off. But in the sight of God, God wants us to do it now, immediately. And how about you? Now, each of us have probably that one day. What is your one day? So tonight we looked uh, at the dreadful situation, frogs everywhere, and a deferred solution tomorrow. So ask yourself, what frogs am I letting stay in my life until later? There are things that you're in a dreadful, dreadful situation, but you put off and, you know, making God your last resort. Or probably you're trying to do something for the Lord and you're trying to put it off. What is that? Or perhaps you're, you're, you know, you're in a difficult situation right now and you know the reason why you're, you're there is that you went astray from the path and will of God. You know, why not turn to God tonight? Please don't put it off. Don't put it off. If you're also listening tonight, and those of you who are watching online, and you know that you're not saved, God's truth applies to you as well. The Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. And then why put it off? Ask God to forgive your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ. He died for your sins in the cross of Calvary and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. Would you do that tonight? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.